0: For podcasting, the PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. The show you can podcast it if you want. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome in. It's Miller and Condon here on a, well, just a miserable Monday. Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 FM, as we take you here until noon. It's Trent Condon and Ken Miller, and we're glad you're with us uh, as we talk sports with you. BMW of Des Moines guest list is, well, this is what it looks like. Scott Dockerman uh, at 10.30 from The Athletic. Mike Palm from Circus Sports. You'll be glad to know, because I know you were concerned uh, that the properties had or had their best weekend uh, of the season after three straight losing weeks. I know you were all wondering and, and hoping that um, that they would find a way to pull out of this. Uh, Bam and Bob at 11.05 and Michael Swain on Iowa State at 11.35. Lots of ground to cover. College football, NFL, World Series goes back to Houston for game number six after, you know, maybe we should start there because Iowa and Iowa State are depressing. Yes, they are. Want to start with Nebraska? They're depressing.
1: Yeah, let's start there.
0: <laughs> Cornhuskers. React. Yeah. Um, I don't know, Trent. It was just one of those weekends, right? I mean, think where we were and where we're at. Mm-hmm. Three weeks ago, I was number two in the country. Right. Right? Uh six weeks ago, Iowa State has got their who knows where they're going to end up. Uh certainly not like eight and four, which is the way it's trending right now. We shall see. Um Look, Where do you want to start? Which one of them? There's so much to talk about for both of them. Iowa was first. Maybe we should start there. They kicked off at 11 o'clock in the morning, so we'll do that one uh, to begin with. And and I know that uh, Brian Ferentz, there's a lot of arrows coming his way. There's a lot of arrows at Spencer Petras. I was wrong about him. I thought maybe he would find a way to uh, you know, to build off that momentum that I thought he had uh, coming off the year last year. And after all, I was watching him throw against air on Twitter uh, throughout <laughs> the summer months, and I was sold. <laughs> um, but the offensive line trend is just, this is as bad an offensive line. Look, you are way more of a historian when it comes to this as, as I am. There's been some, I guess, subpar ones when, when you measure them up to Ferrance offensive line standards. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was got an, all, an All-American an all on it. But other than that, I mean, I don't know. I don't know where to begin. It's the offensive line. It's the quarterback. It's the running game. There's a whole lot of things wrong with that offense.
1: And uh, you also left out the offensive coordinator, who I think deserves yeah. a big key. You know, it's... Were you like the, uh, the uh, fullback dive, back-to-back full-back, fullback dives? No, not at all. And this is a continued conversation about Brian Ferrance and how you... Put together an offense, how to figure out what exactly you do as you're trying to play complementary football, right? We've heard that term a lot, that Iowa's not going to be a team that's going to go out there and try to run 80, 90 plays and be up-tempo and do those types of things because they're also working to help the defense. That's ultimately Mm -hmm. what they're trying to do. And Iowa's won a ton of games. You look over the past five years, Iowa has won eight most games in college football at the Power 5 level. That's really good. Yes. (laughs) But there's one team you're still trying to take down, and that's the team that kicked your ass on Saturday. Mm-hmm. That's Wisconsin Badgers, a mm-hmm. team that's not very good, No, has their own issues offensively, but the they have an identity. States. What's Iowa's offensive identity? Running the football, This right? year? Well no, just no, in general.
0: Normally, yeah, but that's not the case this year. I mean, Goodson, Goodson had 27 yards in the football
1: game. He was leading rusher. 12 carries, 13 carries the last two weeks. you get beat in both those games by scoring mm-hmm. seven points. You have a playmaker, mm-hmm. and you don't get him the ball. Mm-hmm. And that goes back again to Brian Ferentz. Mm-hmm. Why in God's name you're going back-to-back fullback dives after a game previous. Well, I'll say this.
0: Uh, the one on fourth down, there's no way he's going to run that again. <laughs> so, Are you sure? Well, no, and because I saw it with my own two eyes, but no one in the building thought, well, they're not? They're stupid enough to try this the first time. There's no way in hell they're going to try this again. Sure enough,
1: and Goodson not on the field for that play. Yeah,
0: well, that and that that had a lot to do with the fact that that was sniffed out. Because if they're going to do
1: that, mm-hmm. bring him onto the field, but don't do it. It's the answer. You know, they did that fake dive, pitch out to Goodson for a big gain, maybe a touchdown earlier this season. Goodson's not on the field. Mm overthinking things. These are the offensive numbers for Brian Ferentz now since he's become the coordinator. Pretty easy numbers, all right? Total. Does he
0: make you miss Ken O'Keefe?
1: Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. He might make me miss Greg Davis, and I hate Greg Davis. 2017 is first year, 121st. 2018, 116th. 2019, 91st. Last year in a weird COVID year, 40th, good. This year, 120th. That's where Iowa is right now. In total offense. Well, Trent, that's not the way they play. They play complementary football. It's about being efficient. Okay, let's look at efficiency numbers. They are better, but they're still not great. Two thousand seventeen, SP plus offensive efficiency, seventieth. Two thousand eighteen, there's a good year, eighteenth, fifty-third, sixty-fourth, and this year, ninety-first. That is offensive efficiency. That mm-hmm. is taking away time of possession, those kind of things. That is just how efficient you are offensively. And Iowa is brutal. For anybody else, any other offensive coordinator, this is a fireball offense. But it's Brian Ferenc. Yeah. And the last name makes it that very he's not fireball. Yep, very difficult to do. Uh, and there was a lot of folks that
0: believed for that very reason that he should have never been handed that uh, mm-hmm. uh, that opportunity. In Hand raised place. right here. He yeah. was at
1: the forefront of it. No, I know you were. I Didn't know like were. it at the time, and mm-hmm. I certainly don't like it now because it's not there. For every Ohio State, there are the dregs like we saw. Wisconsin's a great defense. Los Anborn, one of their best mm-hmm. players. Didn't matter. Mm-hmm. They couldn't do anything. And you couple a terrible offensive line with... With one of the least athletic quarterbacks in college football, and I'm not being this is not hyperbolic. No, find me another quarterback that yeah. is less athletic than him. I yeah. would love to see it. Well, there, might, there was one no, on the I other side of I'm the field,
0: <laughs> right? Because, <laughs> Mert, Mert, but but it's just it's at least uh, Wisconsin has a, a, a semblance of an offensive line. Uh, Allen ran the ball hard all day. Mm-hmm. Uh, Malusi was he ran the ball hard all day? or well, until he got hurt. Um, it trend. It's just it was it's from where we were to where we're at today. Yeah, it seems like the sky's damn well falling. He's mm-hmm. yeah, number absolutely. two in the country. The consolation was the
1: Rose Bowl if they get beat in Indianapolis. Uh-huh. Consolation. It fell at that time after the Penn State game. Worst case scenario, they're going 11-1. and They're losing in the championship game to Ohio State, mm-hmm. and they're going to the Rose Bowl. Right, but it's going to be close. Now? M- Nashville? Maybe. Does this feel like a Florida bond, a Bowl team
0: to you? It doesn't to me. No. I mean, I, look, Minnesota's the—they have the lead in the West. Mm-hmm. By the way, you know, I was thinking the other day, since we're this is the Debbie Downer show. You remember the guy that always
1: used to tweet us about Minnesota? Yes,
0: yeah. Is he? Do you have? He hasn't for months.
1: Yeah, I heard something back in the summer, but yeah, I don't know if maybe job change or something like that. Okay, not I able was to... thinking
0: the worst, in the you know, the, yeah. the, the situation that we've been in for the last eighteen months. Right. Yeah. Um Because I thought if
1: we're ever going to hear from him, this is going to be. the time, yeah. If he's uh, out there, hit us up. Yeah, I just want to know you're alive. Yeah, beat the chest because the (laughs) Gophers are now the favorite in the Big Ten West. A a bad division. It's a bad division. But it was there for the taking. And Iowa now, for six consecutive seasons, can't win this Mm -hmm. bad division. Mm -hmm. They've had the teams to do it. They've had the talent to do that, but they haven't been able to. They haven't been able to break down the door.
0: And yet they're a double-digit favorite on the road this week. (laughs) I, mean, I know Northwestern's
1: bad, but come they,
0: on. They are really bad, Trent. They are really, really bad. But you're asking Iowa to score 10, 11 points. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I
1: got uh, some numbers here for you, speaking of the Big Ten West. This is from S&P Plus, at, or no, not S&P Plus, the FBI at ESPN.com. Odds to win the division now with their football metric at ESPN. The Gophers are the favorite, 43.7%. Wisconsin next to 33%. Mm-hmm. There's Iowa at 21%. And Purdue, still with the shot, but it's 1.4% to win the division. Here's the East uh, for people out there wondering that don't want to talk about that awful division. Ohio State, 74%. Right behind them. Michigan State, just 15% chance yeah, of winning the division. You know
0: what, Trent? And I didn't see a lot of the Michigan State-Michigan game because obviously it was on at the same time as the, as, as the Hawks, and as bad as that was, I was going to stick with it. Um, I was surprised Michigan State
1: won the football game. I, there was were, I ended up watching a lot because the game went long, too, so I was able uh-huh. to basically watch almost like the whole fourth quarter of the game. And there were so many times where, even during the comeback, first you're down 16, and Mel Tucker's on the sideline saying, hey, just two-possession game, let's go. It's 30-14 at the time. Of course, they score touchdown, two-point conversion. They come roaring back, but there were, I don't know, eight, ten plays that if Michigan just makes this play, or just gets this stop, just does one thing. Mm-hmm. So they were Harbaugh. The game's over. And it wasn't that much of that. There's a little bit, and you can pick nits about Harbaugh and the coaching staff and decisions that they made. But overall, just Michigan State kept coming up a huh. place. It was just Sparty continually doing things and finding a way to get it done. That was, I think, more than anything a credit to Michigan State than it was that Michigan screwed up, if you will. That They, they blew it. It was Michigan State won it. And there's not very often I think you can say that in football. That was my takeaway. Michigan State went out, and they won that football game. They did it in year two with Mel Tucker. Look at that. All of a sudden, year two, Michigan State right Mm. back to the years of D'Antonio and just how great they were. Will they hear their name called in the top four tomorrow? (sighs) Will they be a playoff team tomorrow? It's the TV show's debut. It is, yes. If you were in that, and it came down to them, or Oklahoma. Two undefeated teams. Yeah. Who would you take? Who do you think? Well, I've already got Oklahoma it. in. Who deserves it more, though, between those? Between two? Between those two?
0: Uh, I, th- I think the win over Michigan, um, it trumps it, doesn't think, it? Yeah, I think it's Sparty. Yeah, and this shouldn't come into play, but Sparty's got a legitimate Heisman candidate. Yes, they do. A legitimate Heisman. Maybe Oklahoma does too. Maybe Oklahoma does. All right, more on that later. Let's mm-hmm. do what. Let's do Iowa State. Oh boy. Um, Look, I, I get that uh, the, the the two big talkers were um, the play by play lady mm-hmm. who was a cheerleader, but I thought she was for both teams.
1: I did too. I mean it, it, go she, back and watch the first touchdown. Yeah, she's going nuts yes. about Brees Hall. Here's the thing here, here's my the, the, the one the one bone I
0: will pick with the with the play by play and Brandon Whedon as well. I mean they missed Craig McDonald's interception completely. <laughs> yeah. Completely. They didn't say a word. And all of a sudden, Iowa State's offense is coming out of the field and they kind of caught off guard. Um, nobody but got in their ear and, and alerted them to that. So not that big a deal. Look, the officiating,
1: it's, it's, yeah.
0: It was bad on both sides. It was bad on both sides, Trent. The offensive pass interference was a terrible call.
1: And then there was a pick six the next play. And
0: the, well, there was one. They, they had uh, There was one play between that. There was oh, a there. shot clock, violation. shot clock. Uh, there was a, sh- a snap violation, right? Oh, they caught the, that one. They caught yeah, they caught that. one. That's the worst one of the whole day. Of all the of all the fouls was and I think that tied the game when the play clock had clearly run out. Mm-hmm. And it was at least a, 2 seconds afterwards before the
1: ball was snapped. But you need to remember the metric is it's not right when it goes no, to it's zero. No,
0: it's a one. It's a, it's you clock hits zero, you look to the center as the ball snapped. That's yes. how it's supposed to There's be. There's a beat. There's Which, a... yeah, it takes about a second built yes. in. 0 uh, back judge looks at the looks at the center, sees where the ball is. If it snapped, it's good.
1: This you was have plenty two beats. of time. <laughs> this might have been three beats in between. Plenty of
0: time, and you can't miss that. You you just can't miss that. Did Brock Purdy get the first down? I thought his knee was down. I did too. Um, That's one. Did that Brees was... Hall fumble the football? I don't think so. I couldn't tell. The play in the end zone. Did the guy touch? I got to think gravity would lead him to the ground. But you see pellets moving. But his shoe was dark. <laughs> right. The the uh, paint in the end zone
1: was navy. Mm-hmm. You can't definitively tell. And even the pellets part, because that's the thing that I say at first in real time, and you're watching, and you're watching the replay over and over and over. Like, yeah, it doesn't look like his foot came down, and then you see the pellets that are kind of popping up. But it zoomed in so far. That's not to say that there was some defender. Five yards back that just stopped and those pellets fly up as he kind right. of you know, hit it the brakes. That could have been the pellets right. too. Yes. There's nothing definitive. That one, the Brees Hall, there was one official He's, that called it a touchdown. But his but the guy that
0: called the touchdown, Brees Hall was back his back was to him. Right, right. And his elbow is clearly on the ground. Mm-hmm. Is the ball out? I don't know. And you can't tell. I don't think. I thought he scored. But can you take off the cardinal gold glasses? Mm -hmm. Can you tell? Do
1: I think? But they call on the field right? And that's what it ultimately comes down to. And the same thing with the touchdown we're talking about. Same thing with the touchdown. If it was a different call, the calls would have been different. Right. This was a bad crew all around. Yep. All around, but for both sides, mm-hmm.
0: was maybe there was one extra bad call he went against Iowa State. Maybe I thought Brock Purdy was short. I thought his knee touched the ground.
1: I was with you there. But
0: there's a defensive player right
1: in the way of the camera mm-hmm. angle. And I've then heard we have this so many still photos of things. Yeah, don't show me still photos. I, I'm right there with you. We got to stop with the still photos in a motion game. Right, still photos do not tell. No, you. it's not tennis. Where the ball was on the line, you can tell definitively. Right. That's not what this is. This is an action play yeah. where things are moving. A still photo does not tell no. the whole story. Do not have that be a piece of your argument. I t- totally agree with you. Now, what, what I can hear a piece of the
0: argument, and until I'm told otherwise, I will believe that maybe this is the case. It's an ESPN Plus game. Mm-hmm. Are there the same amount of cameras had it been an ESPN game no. or a Fox game? Right. And, and did that, therefore, that... Uh, bite Iowa State in those circumstances. Because the offensive pass interference, if there's a million cameras, they're not changing that call. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was a terrible call. It was. A terrible call. <laughs> Ball goes back. Um, delay a game. Five yards. Jake Hummel pick six. Touchdown. It was, it was a poorly officiated game. Courtney, you know. She was a cheerleader for both teams. But how you missed the. And Wheaton, too. How they missed the interception. <laughs> totally missed it. Is just beyond me. Because they're in the stadium. Right. Yeah. Right. And if they're not, they're
1: watching the same monitor you and I are watching. Well, and not only that, but also you got production people there. You That's got people in your it. ear. It's not me calling out a high school game by myself. Mm-hmm. There, there's people there that are going to be helping out. And right. you missed absolutely everything. So all the negativity of the officiating, I get. Right. But the defense was brutal. Oh, Trent, cover somebody, would you please? As bad as the defense has been since. Oh. Well, the secondary in particular. Those cornerbacks. They, they get burnt all day were long. brutal. All day long. Um,
0: Deggie, who's, I mean, you, you saw a bad Deggie on the pick six. Mm-hmm. But you <laughs> saw good Deggie a lot of times. His receivers were running wide open all day long. No coverage whatsoever. I get that Mike Rose is a big part, and I'll get to him in a second. It um, is a big part of that defense. Mm-hmm. Would, it, would he've made a difference? Well, the answer is clearly yes. He's the defensive player of the year, and, and he's their best player on defense. Um, and they got some dudes. McDonald and Wasarek are both good players, but this is your this is your heartbeat of your defense in Mike Rose, who a week ago today we were told is well, head coach is confident he's going to play. I'm so sick of Matt Campbell. I'm not allowed to say the word lie anymore. And cuz that's that's straight from the corner office, right? Don't say that. And I'm not going to. Um he was uh, he was he was not wasn't forthcoming. Misleading. Misleading. And I get gets, and it's not his fault because he's allowed to do this Matt Campbell. He's allowed to stretch the truth. Sure. Tell a little fib. Whatever. I mean th- th- let's not forget th- this is he is very very cautious when it comes to this he thinks he gets an edge for god's sakes he put out a depth chart in august and hasn't updated at once right yeah he thinks that's an edge mike rose i don't know how long he's going to be out for we had a week to week or day-to-day rather situation with an offensive lineman last year he was out the entire year right. And Trevor day- Downing, right yeah i think it was downing yeah. right he was day-to-day the entire season what's mike rose's see here's the bad thing that happened for when they're trying to keep this a secret. And again, Campbell's allowed to do this because the NCAA lets them do that. There
1: is no injury report. There is no injury There should be
0: because we're betting on games now Mm -hmm. and transparency is the single, uh, as big as anything when it comes to betting on games, you want transparency. But you don't have to put out the injury report. What's the situation with this guy? Oklahoma State, the cameras caught Mike Rose on the ground. And to me... And I'm. this is just looking at the game. If you're watching TV, if you tape the game, go back to it. He's either concerned about his elbow or his bicep or maybe forearm. But that area. But that area of his arm. Mm-hmm. Then he walks onto the field on Saturday and he's wearing a neck brace. And, of course, all the media picked up on that. Yeah. Want us to believe it's something up there. Maybe
1: it is. I don't believe it. And maybe there is. Maybe he does have a bit of a stinger. And maybe that's why... I've talked about it a lot. He does. He looked to tick slower throughout this whole season, mm-hmm. and maybe that's what it does. He, he's had a neck thing all year long, but that's didn't You're keep working him out. on his arm. Right. That's not what kept him out. It's not what took him out of the game the previous mm-hmm. week. And he's and according to
0: according to Campbell Sunday, in Ma- he had two great days of practice. Just two great days of practice. Come on, yeah. Please. So, will you be shocked if Mike Rose doesn't play against Texas?
1: I don't expect him to write this. You, this you
0: can't. I mean, at this point, you got to hope because man, oh man, is he a huge part of that defense. They couldn't get pressure on the quarterback for the most part, and they couldn't cover. I mean, Young number two, mm-hmm. he had an awful day yesterday watching the tape of that game. That
1: he he got beat repeatedly. Um, they went to Tampa. They went to Johnson. Dad, they went he, to Kyle. The, the, they played four different guys, mm-hmm. and it wasn't pretty. It wasn't. So Deggy picked them apart, and isn't there a time? I understand what the three three five has done, but don't you got to ramp it up a little bit more? Don't you? Mm. If they got enough depth at defensive line, isn't there a time to bring an extra defensive lineman in there at times? It just I don't know. It was a game plan that we're so used to Haycock pushing the right button. But this is two every weeks in a row that this is they have not clamped down. That is a good point. Yeah, two weeks in a row now right. that this unpenetrable second half mm-hmm. defense has not been mm-hmm. there. Brock Purdy, the numbers don't bear it out.
0: He had a good game trend. He, he was really, he really was, good. And, and you're right. The numbers don't say he was as good as he was against Oklahoma State and K State. This guy's a. You know what? I have so much respect for Brock Purdy's game. He's a hell of
1: a player, running the ball. Oh God, so tough, putting his head down. Yes. he was running the football. Maybe He's he was as, as good big as a could.
0: threat as uh, this. Th- 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 you're right. This week he was as big a threat with his legs. I mean, yeah, he hit Milton for the wide open touchdown, yeah, that was uh, but, but extended a play. Mm-hmm. You know, voided a sack to get to that part because he was running for his life the entire day. But now, Trent, you just hate this. As we, you know, come full circle, football in the college football in the state of Iowa. I mean, what's left? Nobody cares. Bowl. dot com. Yeah, for pretty both much. Schools.
1: Yeah. A trip to maybe they'll both go to Tennessee together. Well, I was thinking Memphis that. Memphis for Iowa. State, you know what's funny? said that.
0: It's funny you say that. I thought the same thing. And if that's the case, we I can know, go party
1: and drink our sorrows uh, together with everybody,
0: right? Yeah, and spread it around. Because um, <laughs> well, could have been. Because I don't think I was going to a Florida bowl. No, I, Iowa State's playoffs are come and gone. There's no way. There's no way they're getting to the Big Twelve championship game now. You just can't see it. And then, you know the injuries. And clip and save this one, clip and save because we get to December mm-hmm. and they are in the nobody gives a crap dot com bowl. Sure, especially when it comes to Iowa. Well, and even on the other side, mm-hmm. and even Iowa too. Linderbaum's a first round pick.
1: Yes, you going to be Linderbaum's a first round pick against South Carolina? No, the,
0: no, no, thanks. When when Brees Hall decides, you know what? It's been a hell of a career. Thank you, mm-hmm. Iowa State. And that shouldn't come from him. That should come from his head coach being told, you know what, Brees, you're sitting this one out. Will McDonald? Will McDonald. Charlie Kohler, you're sitting this one out. Because the last thing you need is for these guys who are about to cash in. Save that, because there's going to be a lot of animosity amongst some fan bases if we do get to that point. Right. It just feels like Trent's Saturday college football not ended. But everything that was out there, you know, the the cherry on the top of the season, no longer there. Sunday's melted. It's not good for both schools. Both schools.
1: You got Texas coming in, the excitement of that, and it's just dissipated yes. so much. You get a night game. Right. It's going to be cold. It's going to be fun. And it just, ultimately, what does it mean? That's nope. just it. Iowa State can still get to 8-4. and four. Mm-hmm. It's a really good year for Iowa State mm-hmm. standards, but it's a conversation we had during the summer. You get those expectations that high, and yes. it happened in season for Iowa. Iowa gets to 9-3. and three. Mm-hmm. It's a good season. Yep. But from where you were, where the expectations were, Iowa State all summer long, it's going to be a disappointment. It probably mm-hmm. ultimately shouldn't be, but it's going to be a disappointment. It shouldn't feel year. like it. Yeah. yeah. Just because of the
0: expectations, mm-hmm. the lofty, unprecedented, unheard of expectations. And I don't think they
1: were unfair. I really don't. I
0: don't think that it was unwarranted.
1: And that's where we break apart. And it shows you how difficult it is mm-hmm. to win at that level mm-hmm. on a consistent basis, year after year. Yeah. We've seen when I was had those expectations. But and the it hasn't margin gone well. for
0: error has been very, very slim. Yes. And it's gone their way in those years.
1: And the years then, 2009, mm-hmm. get all the breaks, Coming 2010, to, right. Different. A better team. Yes. That team was better. Ricky Stanzi was better mm-hmm. in 2010, but the record didn't show up. Yeah. Same thing. And they here. finished
0: against Mizzou, right? In the Insight Bowl. In the Insight Bowl, yeah. yes.
1: Blaine Gabbert Company. Gabbert Company, yes. Yeah. But so many close losses that season. Mm-hmm. Now we're having and the exact thing. They all went their thing. way the w- year before. Yep. And the same thing with Iowa State, uh-huh. and still that even that Iowa State, we could t- sing all the praises, but they still lost three games last year. Right, They're gonna lose three games at least this mm-hmm. year. Getting to that final step, it's not easy. No, and it's not just about having guys come back. Got to get some breaks. Yep, and the breaks don't go your way. This is what's going to happen, mm-hmm. and that's what I tried to caution about. I didn't want to just stamp it out. I, I get it. You're excited about your team, but this is the reality of college football. The difference between being eight and four, nine and three, good. And being 11 and 1 or even 12 and 0, yeah. it is massive.
0: It's everything goes your way. No doubt about it. Uh, I do not have the keywords. I got them for you. Do you? All right, Trent. It's time for another $1,000 keyword. Text the keyword. Easy. Easy to 200, 200 right now. It's your chance to win $1,000. Easy to 200, 200. Text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. All right, Scott Dockerman from The Athletic uh, coming up. He wrote a, uh, a pretty good piece. Um, into, well, he writes a lot of good pieces, but his latest was out today uh, in The Athletic. Uh, Circus Sports, Mike Palm will join us. Circa's coming to town this week. Excited to have them uh, in our fine state, including Derek Stevens, The owner of Circa will be in town toward the end of the
1: week. Yeah, you want to rub elbows with... The actual owner. We'll be at Wellman's, right? We will be. We'll be doing our show there Friday from ten till noon. Mm-hmm. Uh him, Mike Palm, whole crew gonna be out there excited to to see those guys again, talk with them. And then
0: sound off is there on Saturday.
1: Perfect. That's awesome. Prior
0: to the game. Okay. I think Justice and Petey mm-hmm. will be um. At Wellman's, on I saw I saw a tweet from the Sound Off account.
1: That'll be great. I'm gonna plan on being there a little bit on Saturday myself. Thursday night, also gonna be doing a live podcast. Stop by. I'll put a mic on you. You want to stop by, talk a little gambling with me and some of the big wigs at circuits Your opportunity. And also told, and this is just between you, me, and the audience out mm-hmm, there. Mm-hmm. Little Birdie said, come out. If you don't have the app yet, sign up. And might be a cold one waiting for you. Might be. Nice. Come have lunch with us on Friday. might be something there. Just say, you didn't hear it from me. <laughs> Don't tell them you heard it for me. But come see us on Friday. There will be some good things coming when you download that Circa app.
0: And tell them Van and Bonnie sent you. <laughs> uh, we'll be back with uh, Scott Dockerman from The Athletic. Miller and Condon with you until noon. It's, 14, it's 60 KXNO and 106 points since 1955. Back to Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Hi, Miller and Condon. Welcome back to Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. As we take you up until noon, uh, let's get to our friend Scott Dockerman from the Athletic, Doc uh, Trent and Ken. Thank you for coming on. I uh, trust you had a nice time in uh, Madison for the uh, the game. wasn't much, but maybe the uh, maybe you found something to do in the city. But but regardless of that, Doc, let's get your column today. Um, look, it's um, it's spot on at a crossroads under Kirk Ferentz. Iowa must overhaul its offense with. Or without his son as coordinator, Doc. I think it's come to that point, right? Something has to be done. You no longer spin your wheels, or no longer hope that you can do something and expect a different result. Uh, this is not a good offense. I don't know if it's the quarterback. I don't know if it's the running game, the offensive line. I think it's a product of a lot of things, but something needs to change.
2: Yeah, it does. I, I think it, it. You look at the entire season. You know, I think early on there were signs and. I you know maybe I was one who overlooked it and just thought, well, you know, it's first game of the year, you know, and then the second game of the year. Well, you know, you know, they have a good defense. So you just kind of overlook those types of scenarios. But here we are after, after week eight. And this is, you know, quite frankly, probably the worst offense in the country. And, uh, you know, you look at everything from statistical markers like yards per carry, where they're 123rd to passing, where they're 104th, you know, overall total offense. You know, 124th, it's just you – know, I don't always buy into the met, some of the metrics and some of the statistics with this team because it's built a little bit differently. And so if they're in the mid-60s or something, That's those are actually pretty good numbers for this program. But this is this is beyond repair with the current approach in my eyes. And watching it unfold the other day against a, what I thought was a beatable Wisconsin team, I didn't think that was one of their better teams that they had. They had a great defense. Offensively, I thought they were pretty meager. And um, and then with Iowa's defense trying to play as well as it could, um, the offense really let it down. And, and I don't know that it's all about the individual players. I think the system has, uh, has some flaws that I think are beyond uh, patching up and moving on with.
1: College football has changed, evolved. We know that, obviously, what offenses are today compared to. Doc, when you and I are even going back to Ken growing up, what college football was. And another change that's happened recently is the change in the cut blocking rule. 2018 cut blocks went away, and with it, a lot of the effectiveness of zone blocking went away. How big of a piece of that, and does that go kind of hand-in-hand about what you're talking about here in your column today? You can't cut block at the same level anymore, and with it, zone blocking, you can't do it at the same level. Just go back a couple years ago. Iowa in 2019 had a Jackson, Linderbaum, Worfs Sergeant Goodson in the backfield, they average less than four yards a carry as a team. It just, when you look at it that way, you can't run the football anymore without the cut blocks. How big of a a piece is that in your mind?
2: I I think it's seismic. It really is. And it's something that, you know, it been discussed previously. I mean, when you're averaging 3.9 yards per carry, again, when you have all those pieces, or 3.9 yards per carry when you have two first round draft picks at tight end in 2018. Uh, then you know that it's, it's systemic and last year was kind of an outlier in some ways simply because they had, uh, it was a, it was a short year, a COVID year. They're able to perfect it. They did have good linemen too and, and experienced linemen like Alaric Jackson and Mark Kallenberger and Cole Banward who could step in and they averaged 4.6 yards per carry. If Iowa could hit that mark, Iowa would be, um, we wouldn't have this conversation and it's possible, but I think right now there are just so many. Factors that are against it. And it's not to mention that it's an awfully difficult style of blocking to master when you're not going against a 4-3 alignment all the time. We're not going against a 250 pound sledgehammer at at middle linebacker who, you know, you're going against guys like Leo Chanel who are able (laughs) just to hit the hole so quickly that it, that the zone doesn't have a chance to catch up with them or, you know, anybody else running off the backside, you know, that's preventing that cut block. And then you're not, doing anything like bootlegs or or anything else to really mitigate some of those issues or make them pay for it. So, you know, is it the play caller? Is it the players? Is it the system? Is it the scheme? It's all of the above right now. And and we're talking about a pretty good football team, but otherwise if the offense was uh, in decent shape, they still might
0: be in the top five. Doc, I'm sure you've seen this. Apparently the Tracy family is not real uh, pleased with the the usage of their brother, uh, in this case, from, from Twitter. Tyrone Tracy is is seemingly no longer um, a part of this offense. He's been passed by. Uh, it certainly looks like that. I mean, this is a kid who just a couple years ago, you're thinking, wow, the sky's the limit for him. They've really got something here.
2: What's happened, Doc? Well, I think part of it is to start to look at his usage where they placed him, I think at the end of the uh, you know in the split end was not the best place for him he's uh uh you know a little bit shorter um, sometimes he struggled to get off uh, uh some coverages, but that said uh, that's when you find ways to get him involved and do things that he is capable of doing, not just kind of let him you know settle on things that he's not or not doing as well and I think in some ways he's a he's a really good player when, with space when the when there is uh you know, a jet sweep or you got him, you know, kind of on a, on a, um, you know, flare pass or something like that in the flat. Then I think you get the ball in his hands when he's got some uh, space, he's really good. So some ways they, I think they need to utilize that more often, but they're really not. And uh, now Keegan Johnson, I think has emerged as yep. the best of the receivers. So that kind of goes hand in hand, but at the same time, I think there's more that needs to be done with, with Tyrone Tracy. Um, and I mean, we, yeah, the frustration I think they share is the same thing everybody else shares, but it's more personal to them because, you know, their their family member who, you know, remember just a few months ago went to Indianapolis mm-hmm. which is considered kind of a big honor for the program, uh now is is really, you know, kind of been pushed to the end of the bench.
1: Let's go to the quarterback position and it's not the biggest thing, but it is a piece here. Offensive line's bad, play calling is bad, the offensive coordinator's struggling, but Spencer Peters is struggling too. With this bad offensive line, He has absolutely no movement. He can't stand in the pocket. He can't grow in the pocket. He just does not have that ability. Kirk Ferentz was asked after the game if there's a quarterback controversy. He said no, no, no. But Padilla, with his ability to move around a little bit, should it at least be an open competition this week in your mind?
2: I don't know. I know know we're kind of looking under rocks right now, trying to find any kind of magic solution to jumpstart this offense. Not sure it's there. Um, Alex Padilla came in late. Uh, you know, Spencer Petrus was a little banged up and it made sense from that perspective. Uh, you know, I think there's some things you could do differently with him and maybe, maybe that does help the offensive line, but maybe he's not quite as adept at making some of the calls that would, <laughs> cause otherwise it could be even worse. And, and I'm, I mean, maybe I don't want to sound like I'm apologizing or you know, entirely in Spencer Petrus's camp, but I, I did see some good things. I have seen some good things from him all year long. But I do think that the the problems with the offensive line, um, and the fact that he doesn't have that running ability makes it really difficult for him and for the system. And, and so, you know, in in a system like this, you, you need to really hit a couple of markers. And one is, you know, average around four and a half yards per carry, complete 63, 65% of your passes and have a, have a threat to, to scramble on third and, Medium situations, and I can't hit any of them with any kind of consistency. So, if it's the quarterback, probably he's he's part of the problem. Offensive line, definitely. Um, the running backs, to to an extent, and you know the play calling and everything else. But I think if if we're trying to find solutions on you know whether it's uh, Alex Padilla or heck give Deuce Hogan a shot, and you know, we're we're looking under rocks right now.
0: In, indeed, we are. Uh, obviously, the arrows are coming Brian Ferentz's way. How much? Um, I guess as we look back and, and the the lack of development of the offensive line, does Tim Polisek have this offensive line in a different place right now if he's still there?
2: You know, that, that's speculative. It's hard to say. I didn't think I mean, Tim's only uh, year's coaching offensive line was at Iowa, so uh, he, he yelled a lot more than George does. Okay. That's really yeah. the extent of what I know there. I mean, I I just I don't know that he would have been the magical technical fixer on this. I think this is um, you know if they had a few other you know Brian and Kirk certainly have their hands in on the offensive line. So I think they would have had some. Um, some help with that, so I don't know if he would have done much, if anything else, differently right now. So let me go back to your
0: headline: Iowa must overhaul its offensive line with or without his son as coordinator. Doc, it's, it's got to be a really difficult spot. Although he asked for it himself when he, you know, uh, anointed him as the OC. Um, it, it, can Kirk move on from his son? It's his son can can realistically that happen? Do you
2: think? that is the ultimate question here and I'm not sure where this goes and that's kind of why I phrased it almost in the form of a question at the end I know it's not jeopardy and all but <laughs> but that is can he do it does he want to would he say you know what If my choice is to reassign or fire my son uh versus um you know or and stay or just leave altogether maybe he just chooses you know when I'm going to retire I, I think it's time and I've done you know it's, it's hard to say what what's going on in right now in his mind on this but you know it's, it's clear that if status quo comes back that there's a little bit different twinge to the fan base than there was even in 2014 when that, that none of this happened and that year they dropped season ticket sales by 17 percent mm. and part of it was there was some disappointment he did make some changes cosmetically and it did help out certainly they went 12 and 0 the next year uh but right now it just feels like okay you're this has gone on far enough. It, there needs to be change. And then because what we saw on Saturday, there was nothing different from what happened two weeks previously right. against Purdue. It just was exactly the same. There was no, there were no personnel changes. There were no, you know, schematics one way or the other. Now – you know, granted, they could probably turn around and throw it in my face that, you know, hey, on the first play of the game, we went empty backfield. I'm like, yeah, but you got sacked. You know? <laughs> so, you know, it's not like that works. So, I don't know. I, I mean, again, we're all kind of looking at, I always say, try to get the last drop out of the ketchup bottle here. But, uh, you know, there, there isn't much left in there, that's for sure.
0: And disappointing. for number two, three weeks ago to where we're at now. When uh, Ten seconds left, Doc. When do you think we'll know the Minnesota kickoff time? Probably in the next hour. Oh, good. Yeah. Maybe he's all good. Night game, do you think?
2: No. Well, I don't know. I don't want to make that prediction because I don't want to look, come back and look stupid. I know it was on a list. I'm not sure it'll get selected off that list, though.
0: Thank you, Doc. We'll talk to you in a week. Appreciate it.
2: All right. Have a good one, Thank right. you.
0: Scott Dockerman from The Athletic as we uh, go inside the Hawks. Can
1: Ferrance fire his son? No. I don't think so either. Gary Bartekan? I don't know. Would, would Kirk for Sam Ford? Maybe
0: not. Maybe not. We'll see. Ten forty-five. Off to Vegas we shall go. Uh, Miller and Condon. Fourteen sixty. KXNO. One oh six.
2: One eight hundred bets off.
0: 1460 KXNO 106.3 FM we take you until noon uh finishing off hour number one let's head to Vegas Mike Palm joins us from Circa the Circa crew will be in town will be at Wellman's on Friday they'll be up in Jefferson Mike Palm I believe Derek Stevens is going to join us uh, as they ramp things up here in the state of Iowa CircaSports.com uh, hello Mike Palm Trent and Ken how are you
3: Good morning, Ken. Good morning, Trent. Doing great, Can't Wait to get back to my home state later this week.
0: Yes, indeed. Bring your coat. (laughs) You know what it's like. Your home state gets a little chilly here. Uh, Anyway, so it was good to see, because I know a lot of folks were really concerned that the properties had taken on the chin three weeks in a row. Uh, But uh, look, Mike White uh, had to be huge for you guys. Trevor Simeon had to be huge for you guys. Uh, The books really got the betters this week, didn't they?
3: I have to go back and check, but it might be our best weekend since we opened, uh, you know, wow. uh, two and a half years ago. I, I, we had a great, um, Saturday and it wasn't, you know, any huge results. It was just like, there weren't really any big losers. Uh, you know, we won, you know, we won a little bit on Wisconsin. People, some sharp money had Iowa. We won a little bit, uh, on West Virginia. And you know, almost people had Iowa state that number went up to seven and a half. The big result was, the. Uh, was Penn State. Um, Penn State covering. A lot mm. of people had Ohio State. That was probably our best result. But then yesterday with the NFL, there was more volatility. Um, we had some huge results. Y- you mentioned it, uh, Simeon, that the Saints beating the Bucks was our was our biggest winner for us. Um, you know what our second biggest decision actually was, was the Eagles. Really? The Eagles over the Lions? Covering over the Lions. There was a lot of money on the li- Lions and Lions money line. I mean, people thought if the Lions are going to win a game, This was going to be the week that they were going to they were going to win it. But you said it, Geno Smith, Mike White, Trevor Simeon, and Cooper Cooper Rush all won games yesterday. That's not going to be a good weekend for the betters.
0: No, (laughs) jeez. You know, can I follow up on Cooper Rush for a second? Watching the the line, you know, as it was. Uh, what two and a half, three? I think trend mm-hmm. somewhere in there. Cowboys are favored, and then we got to Thursday night into Friday, and all of a sudden that started to change. So people that you know that follow this and are into sports betting thought, aha, somebody knows something in Vegas, and the line started to fluctuate, and and Vikings go off as a favorite. Do you remember when you guys started to move your line a little bit, Mike?
3: Yeah, it was actually uh, early during the Packers cardinals game okay. that we started moving it so it was early thursday evening here a little later there for you but around five 45 6 o'clock um, we started to move the line it had been down to two and then all of a sudden it went from two cowboys to one vikings to one and a half to two to, but you know by friday it was two and a half and pretty much stayed there i was a little bit surprised i actually thought that once it was officially announced that Dak wasn't playing, the game would get above three. It never did. So really for us, we just needed the game not to land within a field goal either way, right? Uh, so, sure. I mean, a, a four-point result is great either way. Um, and Dallas winning was a little better than Minnesota say, winning by, more than, by, more than, by four or more. We did lose to the total because that total dropped. Remember, it was 55 before any Dak news and then got down to as low as 52 uh, before kickoff.
1: So, take us behind the curtain a little bit more, Mike, if you don't mind. And information like that—is it people you respect that work with Dallas? Is it an Adam Schefter type that that gives you guys information? Is it just seeing what the other, what's happening in other markets, and understanding? Hey, somebody knows something. How does that happen? As you're making a Justin a big flip there, going from one team favorite to the other. How that information comes into you guys at Circa?
3: You know, it's a combination of things. It's We have guys just scouring, scouring social media, especially guys that write for teams. Anything that you might, you might pick up on, on these professional teams. That's one. The bets we get, we take more professional money than any other book. I'm fairly confident in saying that. Um, the bets we getting from people we respect, right? The people that we think, we think are sharp and know something. And then you're looking globally at how the line is moving as well. And those three things, factor into decisions you make you know we we were very aggressive with with the thought that Aaron Rodgers was going to be traded we actually for the better part of a weekend uh there in August made the Vikings the favorite to win the AFC or the NFC North you could have gotten the Packers at a plus price to win the division we were wrong on that and had to revert back but I mean sometimes the information isn't always correct
0: Indeed. So, you know, with Sunday Night Football, you've got the Cowboys and the Vikings, mean America's team and the Vikings, uh very popular team, going up against Game 5 of the World Series. What kind of, and I'm, I'm sure King Football won as far as uh, a handle, but uh, was it closer than you think? Are people into the World Series betting on their app at Circa Sports or actually in, in town uh, and downtown at Circa?
3: You know, the volume on these World Series games is still... In the low six figures but i mean every nfl football game is that the the least bet nfl football game is going to do that hmm. so there, you know when the NF when the, when the world series was was competing with nba games uh early in the week when when wasn't the nfl and the world series was just starting there you know it wasn't outriding the nba some nba games by double so i think in particular this year the matchup isn't that compelling right um, especially for people always now, if the Dodgers were in, if this was the Dodgers and the Astros, you might triple the the handle that we're doing on these games.
1: It's wild, absolutely crazy. A couple of baseball guys here. We know Mike, you're a big baseball guy as well. Finishing up here Monday Night Football this evening. One of our regional teams, the Kansas City Chiefs, in action as they take on the Giants. Number currently at circa sits at ten and a half. I'm going to guess you guys though still get nothing but Chiefs money.
3: Yeah, we'll need the Giants. Um, this number came down to nine and a half um, early in the weekend, back up to ten, then we got to ten and a half yesterday. Might touch eleven today. We'll, you know, this is the second biggest play in Survivor. We finally had some. Yeah,
0: I saw that
3: yeah. Carnage yesterday yeah. <laughs> with the, you know, the number one pick, the Bengals going down. So we finally now through eight weeks are below what we started with last year, which was thirteen ninety. We had to, we had you know forty percent of the pool. Knocked out this week, and still with uh, Kansas City pending tonight. And boy, the way they've played, I, I think most people made the pick holding their nose. Actually, this week,
0: crazy Mike. We will see you uh, in town on uh, on Friday and take over on Wellman's, and then up to Jefferson to Wild Rose on uh, on Friday night. Derek Stevens is coming.
3: Yeah, he's flying in for the day Friday, flying awesome. out late, late. Uh, Late Friday night. i got to see if the, if the airport and Carroll can take uh, can take the plane that he flies on. Maybe he'll fly out of there. That's a little closer for him.
0: Good stuff. We'll see you at Wellman's on Friday. We'll see you on the TV show on Wednesday. Thank you, Mike Palm. Appreciate you coming on.
3: Thanks, guys. Always
0: enjoy it. Yep. Ta-ta. See you Friday. Mike Palm, Circus Sports. Uh, they are in the state of Iowa. Sign up now for the app. Sign up in person when uh, everybody's going to be at Wellman's on Friday. Hour 2 coming up next. Bama, Bob, Trent, and I will go around crazy world of college football this past weekend. Michael Swain on Iowa State at 1130-ish. Mr. Monday Night with an appearance. It's Des Moines Sports Station 106.3 KXNO.